Welcome to Talking About Care with Miss Michelle. Thanks for coming back. This is episode two of Talking About Care. I'm really excited to have you here, and I'm really excited to get this started. Today, I'm talking about what is care. And to be exact, what is child care? So the dictionary term for care is the provision of what is necessary for health care, welfare, maintenance, and protection of someone or something, or a serious attention or consideration applied to doing something correctly or to avoid damage or risk. So for me, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's basically making sure that somebody or something is cared for and well-maintained. Child care means the development of appropriate care, protection, and supervision of children designed to promote positive growth and educational experiences for children outside the child's home or with their parents. So there are different types of child care. There's traditional daycare and preschool, in-home, there's nannying, there's shared nannying, which we'll go through the two different ones of those, as well as au pairing, which can be similar to nannying, but we'll talk about the differences of them. There's also babysitters and relative care and uh, also preschooling and Montessori. So there are lots of different choices that we have here and we can go through them all. All right, so the first one we're gonna talk about is traditional daycare. They usually work with ages four months at I believe the minimum. It depends on the center that you are using up to the age of I believe 12, which is sixth grade. They provide full-time and part-time care. Usually the part-time is for before and after school care for the elementary school-aged kids or for part-time parents who don't quite need a full-time schedule. They will provide meals majority of the time unless asked otherwise or if a child has specific dietary restrictions. But generally, most of the preschools I have ever worked in have always provided. You're not allowed to really bring anything like peanut related in, only because that's one of the highest allergy restrictions that we have for children. That and strawberries. For most cases, peanut butter is the number one. So they usually have a substitute like sun butter, which is sunflower butter, or they have other types of butter. I'm peanut butter substitutes. I'm not really sure which ones, but that's based off of what they have. They also provide a structured routine as well as simple lessons for each age group. And their lessons can be just doing puzzles, coloring, singing songs. You know, it, it really depends on what the teacher is given and what they are able to provide. Most daycares have structured centers for each different type of play, such as dress up, books, or uh, building blocks. They're all different sections, and they're all most of the time separated out in the classroom to make it easier for everybody. So the pay structure is generally a monthly fee that they would charge each family. And usually it's based off of how many kids you have going there and what age group they're in. So it can be anywhere from Gosh, I don't know, 1800 a month up to, I don't know, three to five. It depends on where you're looking and what the sender itself is providing, as well as what the going rate is in your location. 
most of the time it's based off of that structure. They also have a lot of low income choices for certain parents who might be struggling with finances. Uh, you'd, you'd really have to do your research on the schools and, and the centers that you're looking to actually join. I've heard anywhere up to $3,000 for a baby, and that's insane. But it's also, you know, they provide the teacher, they provide the changing area, sanitation, all of that stuff as well as, you know, food and and materials that you would use. Majority of the time, daycares expect you to bring in diapers, extra clothes, things like that. Sunscreen is another one that you have to bring in all the time, as well as like, any type of like lotion or diaper cream. If, you're, if your kid has a rash, if you have medications that they have to be given, they all will provide those to your child like if you bring them in. So you just have to make sure to bring in a form or have them available for the teachers. They will have backups in case of, you know, oh, you ran out of spare clothes or, oh, you ran out of diapers because they've all been used. And usually they use a program to kind of communicate with the parents of what they might need. Or the teachers hopefully are communicating with their parents, talking to them and saying, hey, you know, we're, we're getting low on this. Can you bring it? And it, it's kind of nice to have that communication. It's really key for... I think child care providers and the parents to have that open communication. These centers are usually large group settings. So there are ratios that the kids have to go through. Uh, it's they're large groups for but they're all based on what age the children are. So it can be based off of infants are one teacher to four babies. So I mean you can do the math. The maximum that they're allowed in one room is eight babies. So eight babies, two teachers. Anything over four babies, there has to be at least two teachers in the room. Toddlers, which are, uh, I'd say they're up about 12 to 18 months. It depends on the sender if they're going to have a gap between that or if they're going to keep the 12 months with the infants or they... It depends on really, I think a lot of centers, they base it, sometimes they base it off of the development, but other times they base it off of the age. And the age can be anywhere from 12 to 18 months as the minimum, uh, up to two and a half, three. And the ratio for that is one teacher to seven children. And as you can imagine, 12 and 18 months, there's a huge gap between the development stage because a lot of babies are still learning even the basics, like how to pull themselves up or how to walk. And <laughs> the three-year-olds, they're already walking and talking. They're already kind of getting their own thing. So you have to really be careful. But a lot of the times the centers base it off of age, at least in daycares or preschool settings. There's also uh, the preschool age, which they roughly say, like, so there's... Uh, toddler and then they do what do they normally call it it's generally called the preschool age which is like three three to five uh and it's it's a large gap but the age range or the ratio range is generally about the same where it's one teacher to 10 kids and as you can imagine 10 10 little three-year-olds, they usually section them out. So usually you have the three-year-olds, like three and a half to four-year-olds, 
And then the four and a half to five year olds, because there's such a large age range with how they're born, which one would go to where? They base it off of like closeness and age. Like, so if they're three and a three to three and a half or four, they're usually in a group section. So it's one to four of them in each classroom. Uh, they can have up to 20, 20 kids, 20, 20 kids. And that's a lot of three year olds. And I'll tell you, the three year old age is probably even harder than the twos because the twos are still kind of learning what their boundaries are. But the threes know. They know their boundaries, but they will push you. They will push, 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 and it can be a big challenge. Uh, they're a really fun age to work with, but they can be incredibly challenging, especially when they team up against you. <laughs> but they are a lot of fun, and I think it takes a certain special kind of person, and not even in a negative way or a bad way. Like It just takes a certain person to really have the patience for that age group, especially a large group of them. They usually do their routines and structure uh, based on sections, and they have speci like specific toys for the kids to learn with. Uh, they have special groupings, uh, like they set up their classrooms so that there's different sections and then they structure their day based off of what their lesson planning is, whether it's dress up or blocks or or doing circle time where they read a book and sing songs and teach that way. It's very structured and routine. They don't, there's not too much, like there's free play in each section, but there's not a lot of free, free play if you, if you get what I'm saying. And then, um, they're very, 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 very strict on sanitation, which is a really good thing because in large groups, kids get sick all the time, all the time. Currently, I'm currently a nanny and I part-time nanny. And I know that the kids that are in preschool are constantly sick. And I know, I know it's really hard as a parent if you are a full-time parent and you're both working and your kid gets sick, it's what do you do? You know, there's a lot of structure behind that. But we'll go into that in another episode. We're not going to go through that. Right now we're working on the different types of child care there are. An in-home child care is a setting and a structure where it's literally a person's house. And it's a smaller age group. It's usually based on how many people they have in the home to help them or if it's just them it's very small setting so usually they have like infant to toddlers mixed together and I believe the ratio for that is I want to say seven which is the maximum they can have and hopefully they have other people in there assisting with like the babies but it really depends on the situation I personally when I was small I went to a in-home daycare couple of them and I I loved it it was fun you know I would just go to my child care person's house and learn and it was really fun and exciting I do know that they have really really strict safety precautions like they can't have blinds with string they can't have drapes that are longer their electrical plugs all have to be safety regulated it's really in depth and really really well protected especially for the person who owns the in-home daycare. They also do a lot of child care training. Most of the time, it's similar to what like a preschool is where it's structured. It really depends on the in-home care provider on what they want to teach, whether it's 
preschool style or Montessori style. And we'll go through those as well later. And they are usually, I believe, a monthly payment. Again, not too sure. I should probably do my research on that more. I'm just kind of going in depth of what all of the different categories are that we have. All right. Uh, not, next is preschool. It's just like daycare, the traditional daycare centers, uh, except they're generally based off of two to five years. So uh, they do, like I said, the more structured centers, areas like that, that are more learning based on structure and routine than they are anything else. Again, they're the large groups of children and they are only weekdays. So Monday through Friday, they don't do weekends, things like that. So you're generally basing this childcare off of a average work day. They're generally only open. I think the earliest that they open is 6 a.m. up to what's the latest I've ever stayed? I think it was seven. And that's if the parents are late. I think the latest that they generally stay open is six. Six is the latest that they stay open. So it's six to six. So they have a fluctuation. So most of the time the kids will have anywhere from two to four different teachers, depending on what the school structure is for the teachers. Most of the time the teachers will have a nine to five position, not a nine to five, but like a, a nine hour, a nine hour shift with a either an hour or a 30 minute lunch break in between. And then they have floats or they combine or separate the kids. Most of the time they combine the kids with similar age groups because usually most centers have multiples of each different age group classes. So there's that structure that they go through. And so they will combine if they have a smaller amount of kids versus a larger amount of kids. And that's just kind of what they do is so long as they're staying within the ratios, their pay base for the teachers is based off of what they would like to choose. Generally, as my experience personally, they don't pay as well as, say, being a nanny will because they have to pay for everybody. It's multiple people that they're paying for, you know, cooks, their teachers paying for cleaners and they're playing for the directors or the front staff as well as many, many multiple teachers. So, and the facility, they have to pay for the facility also. So it's like a lot of the time it, it's a lot of money that the school itself makes with what they are charging for each kid. However, you know, I'm not necessarily an accountant that works with the preschool and sees what their expenses are versus what their payout is. Generally, when you first open a center, they say that it's uh, your income is a loss. So it's a net loss at the beginning of a start of a preschool or in-home daycare, any of those things. They're always a loss for the first few years until you kind of get the ball rolling and get more consistent and more uh, income in. And that's just how it goes. That's why I personally have never decided to do an in-home daycare because for me, in the long run, it wasn't worth it to me to to do it. Like it would be fun and I'd love it, but I don't think it was necessarily right for me because my home is my home, not my home and work. And you really have to separate the two and uh, you can't do that when you have an in-home care. 
Montessori's are similar to preschools where there's large groups of kids together. They're a different learning structure, though. So Montessori's are more based off of free play. So like learning on your own terms versus traditional preschools and daycares where it's more structured, time-based, and more teacher-driven. So I'll explain it more in depth later because right now I'm just more focusing on all the different types that there are. So now that we have all of the school settings and the larger group settings, I think it's important that we talk about more individualized care. So the individualized care is nannying, au pairing, and relative care, as well as uh, babysitting. So these are all different. I know a lot of people clump in babysitters and nannies together, which (laughs) as a nanny, it can be kind of insulting to be called oh, she's just the babysitter. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not just a babysitter. I am I am a full-time teacher, just like anybody in preschool or Montessori or anything. I'm, I'm very much the same, and I'll explain them now. A nanny is an individual care for family. They also do nanny shares, which is, you know, you can have one to, up to two to three families that you're sharing your care with. And usually it's more of a flexible-based, structured system. It can be either full-time or part-time. I've done both. Uh, They're both great. I love it. And then there's two different pay types. There is on the table, which is your taxed. You have a payroll system set up with the nanny and with the parents. Or you could do under the table, which is where the parents just, you know, pay you under the table. Most of the time, this is what babysitters kind of lay under is an under the table situation because you really don't need a payroll for someone who's only doing it every once in a while. Nannies are consistent. They have a structured schedule with the family. They are not every once in a while, uh, you know, when, when date nights, things like that. They can be, but majority of the time, nannies have a structured schedule with the rest of their families. And by a nanny share, I'm talking about the same as being a nanny, only you're working with multiple families. A good example is you have one family, let's say the first half of the week, and then the second family, the second half. Or you could have one family where you're only in the morning, and then the other family is in the afternoon. Or you could do split shifts. So it's like, oh, I have the the one family, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and the second family is Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, kind of situation like that. So it, it very, really, really varies on each nanny and, and if they want to do a share or not. I personally have never done a nanny share. I'm sure I could and I would if I was given the opportunity. I just haven't had that yet. Nannies are generally paid uh, per hour or you can choose to be salary based if you have a very structured schedule. Like if you have a very basic schedule of like, oh, I work nine to five and it's very simple structure, then they can be salary based and you base your salary off of those hours that you would work. Nannies don't get breaks. I will say we're required to take them. You know, the state laws and regulation expect Labor and industry expect nannies to take breaks, but I'm sorry, a nanny is full time. And the only time you necessarily get a break is if the kid's napping. And even then you can't leave 
the area. You can't walk away, go get lunch, and then come back. You have to you have to stay the whole time unless unless the parents are working from home or you're splitting the shift with somebody else or if you have a split shift. There is no such thing as a full-time nanny getting a break. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of the most difficult things for a nanny is because you are not just as a nanny, you are not just the teacher, you're the cook, you're the nurse, you're the head administrator, you're the personal assistant. You're the you're the household manager is really what you are. You're a household manager. You're taking care of everything that needs to be taken care of for the child and all of the important systems. Au pairs. Au pairs are the foreign caregivers. So those are the people that come from foreign countries, whether that's an American coming to a foreign country outside of America or a foreign country outside of America coming to America to teach and educate. They are generally live-in, so the parents are required to provide room and board as well as a stipend like allowance to help them with other expenses, whether that's food or activities. Some a lot of the times families will provide cars. Uh things like that. And you can have a live-in nanny too, so like it's a nanny, not a foreign person. It could be an American uh, or whatever. You know, it could be someone from your hometown and you could provide uh, the same thing as what an au pair would get, which is like live, uh, room room and board. So like you either have to give them a room or a place where they can get their own that they don't have to worry about the kids interrupting them when they're off shift. That kind of what it is. So it's it gives the au pair or the live-in nanny that availability to have the freedom to not be working constantly. Because parents, yes, they're your kids, but you are their employer, not not the person who you're not pawning your kids off on this staff person. You are providing them room and board, and maybe you can work out a deal where you know, you ask them to watch the kids while you go out to dinner or you have a doctor's appointment, things like that. But generally, the parents will provide that kind of thing. They're usually flexible as well, which is really nice for a lot of people who get worried about that. And they can really help with uh, teaching different languages, which is, I think, really cool. And personally, when I'm working with kids, if I see that they have an interest or if the parents would like me to, I will gladly start learning different languages with my family, with the kids, because I think it's really important as a personalized childcare provider, like a nanny or an au pair, to educate based off of experiences and learning. And they're really cool and in-depth. And like I like I've said with all the other different categories <laughs> that we have with this group, all of these different groups and dynamics, I will go into more depth on each one of them. I think it's really important that I section out each episode to make it more of an in-depth situation for all of us to have a better understanding of what each of these are. Babysitting. Now that we've gone through the nannying and au pairing, babysitting is where... It's part-time hourly care based on as needed. So date nights, 
just very randomly selected time frames, whether it's a 30 minutes where mom just needs to clean the house or, hey, we have a concert that we were invited to or, hey, I need help with basic. I, I just basically need somebody to stay at the house while I go grocery shopping. Simple things like that. That is what I call a babysitter. Generally, I'm not going to I'm not going to clump it in at, at age groups, but this is where the younger generation comes in so any I mean I started babysitting when I was 12 I times have changed a lot but basically it's temporary it's not a very structured line of work it's all under the table and it's all hourly based and it's based on what the babysitter wants to charge for their services during that time usually there's cooking Hopefully, they're cleaning up after themselves and the children while they're on the job. It's not always necessarily required. And sometimes if they're younger, maybe you don't want them to do that. That's okay. Usually, it's just the basic care, like making sure that they're taken care of, making sure that they're fed, making sure that they're put to bed on time, depending on when you're babysitting. Usually, there's no structured learning base. There's no curriculum. There's no nothing. Nannies and au pairs also have curriculums. I will put that in here now, now because I forgot to say it when I was describing it. They do a learning-based system as well. Um, not so much structured as like a daycare per se. It depends on the nanny, but they do have learning and structure for uh, their age groups that they're working with. Then there's relative care. Relative care can be either friends or family that come and watch the kids during specific time frames. It could be similar to nannying, except obviously they're either not charging you or it's a very, very, very small amount of money that they're charging you. Or it's, oh, I just want you to buy me dinner or whatever. I'm not downsizing relative care because if you have that village that's willing to work with you and help you with this kind of stuff, by all means, use it because we all need that village. We all need that help. I'm, I am not bashing parents who use their, their parents personally for childcare. If that is what is going to help them do it, do it. It's, it's, it's not based like you should not base your terms of care off of what society expects, you know, it, it really depends on the families and what you have the opportunity or the funds for childcare is expensive. I'm not going to deny that whatsoever. And if you have the ability to have a family member or close friend who's willing to say, Hey, I know you're working these shifts. I'm off, bring your baby over and I'll, I'll watch them or bring your, bring your kid over and I'll watch them. That's amazing. I think, I think, we need more of that in this society nowadays. You know, I I think we've lost that mentality of it takes a village and it's kind of sad. I think we need more of that in the world. I mean, they could probably have structure and lesson planning and educational situations from experiences that I have been around. Usually that's not necessarily the case. And I don't want to say that that's for everybody because it's not true. They are, there are options out there for relative care that are amazing. Uh, you know, bookstores like Barnes and Noble have a lot of like 
educational books that can help a lot of parents, nannies, au pairs, and relatives, any of that, have structured learning systems for the kids. I mean, you can buy toys, you can buy everything. Just because a relative is watching your child or caring for them doesn't mean anything. It doesn't, it, it means that you are really fortunate to have that ability to have somebody care for your children. And at the end of the day, that's the most important thing that we have to look at. So for our next episode, I will most likely talk about traditional pre-K versus Montessori. And I'm looking forward to going on this adventure with you on the next episode. Again, thank you so much. And I look forward to sharing my knowledge with all of you. Y'all have a great day or evening. If you have tips or tricks, please email me at talkinboutcare at gmail.com. That's talkinboutcare at gmail.com.